Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dan Snow's History Hit. I'm just recording podcasts and films for the History Hit podcast and the TV channel, historyhit.tv. We just had James Holland back in. I mean, uh, Second World War legend for a proper grilling about the air war. We've had Hayley Nolan talking about Anne Boleyn. We're going to be discussing whether or not Hitler did in fact die in the bunker in Berlin. Of course he did. We're going to be debunking the conspiracy theories, what we're going to be doing. So all sorts going on today. Um, but I'm here to talk to you about a very different podcast. This one that's coming up, it features the Dutch uh, historian and writer, Sophie Poldermans. She tells the most extraordinary story of three young women who joined the resistance after the Netherlands fell to Nazi German forces 80 years ago this spring. These three young women, Annie Schaft and the sisters Truss and Freddie Overstegen, with astonishing bravery, joined the resistance, carried out various tasks. But one of them was to uh, seduce German officers, take them into the woods and kill them. It's really one of the most extraordinary wartime stories that I've heard. Uh, you can go onto History Hit TV. You can use the code POD6, P-O-D-6, and you get six weeks for free of History Hit TV. If you go over and sign up with the code POD6, P-O-D-6, uh, we have hundreds of documentaries on there. We've got uh, new ones going up all the time. We've got record numbers of subscribers coming at the moment, so thank you very much to everybody. Uh, we're really trying to build the world's best history channel, and uh, we couldn't do it without you. It's very, very exciting. So use the code POD6. Thank you also, everyone, for listening to my whining and pleas about rating the podcast. It's so annoying when podcasters do it, but you got to do it. Thank you for giving it five-star ratings and writing kind reviews. I really, really appreciate it. Hundreds of you have done that. Uh, it's very generous. It's very generous. I really appreciate it. In the meantime, everybody, here is Sophie Polamance. Sophie, thank you so much for going on the podcast. It's very nice to be here. Thank you. You have written a truly remarkable story. Uh, so tell me about the subjects of this book. It's about three teenage Dutch girls, Honey Schaft and the sisters, Truus and Freddy Overstegen. Um, and they were very young teenagers. They were only 19, 16 and 14 at the beginning of World War II. Um, and then when uh, Nazi Germany occupied the Netherlands in May 1940, uh, they were faced with the question what to do to adapt or uh, to resist. Um, and it's very remarkable that these three girls uh, literally took up arms uh, in order to, um, to combat the enemy. So they joined the armed resistance and that's what makes this story so unique. How, how do you join the resistance or rather how did they join the resistance? What was the process? Well, of course, it started very gradually, um, and uh, the three girls didn't know each other at the time yet. Um, they met in 1943. Um, so Hanni um she was actually a very shy uh, girl growing up in the city of Haarlem. Um, and Haarlem is about 12 miles west of Amsterdam. Um, and then she uh, studied uh, law in, uh, in Amsterdam. Uh, because ideals like justice and peace were instilled in her. Um, and then, um, well, already in 1939, so uh, when Holland was not even part of, of the war yet, but when uh, Nazi Germany occupied Poland, Honey decided to send parcels to Polish officers through the International Red Cross. 
So she started very early. And actually, the, the Overstegen sisters, they grew up in the same city of, of Haarlem. And they lived with their, uh, their mother, who was divorced at the time, which was uh, unique for that time frame. Uh, and their little stepbrother, um, they grew up in a, in a tiny worker's house. And they already offered shelter to German Jewish refugees in 1934. So that is actually six years before the beginning of the war. So that's how it started with these girls. <laughs> and then gradually from smaller things, they joined the, the armed resistance in, in 1943. What did they do in the resistance? Well, they, they, they started out small, like Honey uh, started in Amsterdam when she was studying. So she would um, go to, uh, also in, in Harlem, uh, when she was still living with her parents. Um, she would go into all kinds of public places, like theaters and swimming pools, and she would steal identification papers for Jewish people in hiding. So she would give, give these identification papers uh, to the resistance, and they would... Uh, forge them uh, and make sure that her Jewish friends uh, would would get those papers. And yeah, it, it, it really started with small acts um, also when uh, Jews were not allowed to in, in parks anymore. Honey was very fierce about that and she said, well, if they are not allowed to go through the park anymore, I won't either. Um, and then in... Um, she, she still uh, was studying law, but then in uh, February 1943, all students at the uh, Dutch universities had to sign a declaration of loyalty. Um, and that meant that they had to be loyal to the German regime. And that was way too far for Hani, so she did not sign. And uh, well, that meant that she could not study anymore, so she moved back to Harlem with her parents. Then she really wanted to do more than just the identification uh, papers. Uh, she really wanted to offer armed resistance. Um, so she told people around her, okay, I want to do more. I want to resist more, if necessary, with weapons. That was uh, the summer of 1943. And then she registered with the Council of Resistance. And that is the, uh, the Dutch group or the, the, the resistance group in Haarlem where uh, Trus and Freddy were already members. And that's where they all met? That's where they all met, yes. So, but what did, they, what did they do to resist? Well, they uh, would provide Jewish children, for example, with um, safe houses, so they would really bring them from one safe house to another. And because they were women, they were not very suspicious at all. <laughs> so they could easily ride around um, town on their bicycles with Jewish children um, on the back and bring them to safe places, for example. But other things, they would blow up um, railway tracks with dynamite. Um, and then later on, it was the really heavier stuff is that uh, they would actually dress up nicely. Uh, they would wear makeup, very heavy makeup. Uh, and they would pretend to be so-called muffin girls is what we would call them in, in Dutch. Um, in English, you would say kraut girls, kraut from the German sauerkraut. And those were uh, girls who had relationships with German uh, officers, for example. So they would just pretend to be these girls, uh, dress up <laughs> with lots of makeup, and then go into bars, pick up these 
uh, high-ranking Nazi officers lured him into the woods here in the city forest of uh, Harlem in order for them to get killed by the commander of their resistance group, the Council of Resistance. And later on, they themselves would shoot Nazi targets on several occasions, often riding their bicycles and liquidating or killing them. That is, that's extraordinary. Uh, it sounds it sounds extremely dangerous. Well, did did they come up with that, or, or was it a, was it a common practice at the time? Was it a, a tactic employed by the Dutch resistance? Uh, well, it was. Uh, they didn't then themselves come up with it. I mean, it was part of their resistant uh, resistance group and the the strategy. Uh, the Council of Resistance, so the the resistance group that they belonged to, consisted of um, approximately seven main members and sometimes they would, they would cooperate with other regional groups um, and these three girls were the only women in the group. The commander of the group was called Frans van der Wiel and he deliberately put these three girls on on this task of the, the seducing part and then the, the killing part because well they could really use their their youth and their femininity and their sexuality um, uh, in their advantage and, and really in order to to get these Nazi targets. How many how many times did they kill German officers? How many how many people did they kill? Uh, um, well, we don't know the exact number. Um, uh, they they never revealed the exact exact number. Um, and well, Trus, for example, uh, Trus and Freddy both survived the war, and I personally knew them for twenty years, so I I talked. Uh, quite a bit with them, but they they described the missions, but they never revealed the number. Trus always said, "Well, it was already bad enough that we had to do it in the in the first place. So it's not important uh, what the number is." And Freddie was always very fierce, and she said, "Well, we were soldiers, and you cannot ask a soldier that question. And we were soldiers, little ones, but they were. Um, so we don't know the exact numbers." But of course, I mean, uh, they were terrified at the beginning and extremely nervous. And yeah, they, they really had to shoot someone. I mean, nobody is, is born to kill. You said you knew them. Uh, were they proud of what they did? Um, yes, obviously they were proud, but they were extremely down to earth um, in the sense that they didn't see themselves as heroines at all. They really uh, saw this as the only way of achieving justice. So in, in really in order to, to live up to their ideal of a livable world, um, yeah, they, they really had to shoot to, to take out these Nazi targets and in, in traitors. Um, and yeah, because it had to be done. That's, what, that's why they did it. Um, and they never, that's really the admirable part, that they never saw themselves as heroines. So that's really, really something. Did they ever, did they get away with it? Did they, did they come under suspicion? Um, yes, um, because, well, of course they were women and they were not that uh, suspicious. But nevertheless, um, uh, in, in the beginning, actually, Trus, when, when, when the three girls met, Trus and uh, Freddy actually had fled to the eastern part of the country of the, in the Netherlands, uh, to Enschede, uh, because they were wanted in the area of Haarlem, because their profile was known. I mean, of course, it wasn't the days with internet or anything, but they <laughs> had been seen, so they had to flee. 
and they were working as as nurses in a, in a hospital in in Enschede at the time. And then when Honey joined um, the Council of Resistance, her assignment um, was to actually go meet these girls um, because Franz von der Riel, the commander, thought, okay, these three girls will make a great team because they it was it's really interesting. They were uh, three girls from completely different backgrounds um, and uh, completely different characters. Uh, Holly was the intellectual and uh, a bit chaotic, and uh, Therese was a very down-to-earth and a, a kind of a tomboy um, and a natural leader. And, well, Freddie, she was still so young, uh, but and very feminine and really fierce as well. So it's really three... They're completely different girls, but they, yeah, they, they made a, a, a great team. Um, Hanni Schaft had beautiful red hair. She was really known as the girl with the red hair, also uh, to the Germans. And then, so at one point, she dyed her hair black and she would wear um, glasses made out of uh, window glass. Um, so they would really have to disguise themselves um, because it was extreme, extremely dangerous. They, they carried out quite, quite a, a few missions and uh, before they would shoot uh, their targets, they would really try to get as much information from them as possible and pass that on to the resistance, of course, uh, in order to save lives. Is your prostate waking you up more often than your alarm clock? The fact is, the older you get, the more likely you'll have prostate problems, which can affect your everyday life. That's where Prostate Complete by Real Health comes in. Prostate Complete is the result of 20 years of experience as a leader in men's health. The powerful formula in Prostate Complete supports natural prostate function and reduced urinary urges for a better quality of life. Available at Walmart. Visit ProstateOnePerDay.com for special offers. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Was it known that, that women were shooting German officers? Well, yes. At, at, at one point, gradually, it, it was known. And um, Hannes Kraft, I mean, uh, the, the Germans also called her really the, the girl with the red hair. They, they thought that she was really a terrorist. Um, and they knew that she was working together with uh, these two other girls. So, yes, they were really wanted in the in the area yes did all three of them survive the war um no uh Trus and freddy did um but unfortunately hannes haft uh was um arrested and she was executed by the nazis not even three weeks before the end of the war so that is a, a very horrible story uh she was arrested at the regular checkpoint and then she was riding her bicycle and she had to open um, uh, the, the bag on, uh, on the back of her bicycle. And then uh, the German soldiers discovered illegal newspapers. So that's actually the reason why she was arrested. At the time, the Germans had no idea who she was. And then she was brought in for questioning and she had to open up her purse. And then uh, the Germans discovered that she had a gun <laughs> in her purse. Um, and then they were st starting to think and then they discovered her red roots uh, coming out of her, her black, her dyed black hair. So they thought, oh, this is the girl with the red hair, the girl that we've been looking for for so long. And um, yeah, that's why she was executed. Wow. So she was that notorious. 
Yes, yes, she was very notorious. And um, actually, well, it was only three weeks before the end of the war, and both allies and and the Germans had agreed uh, on not shooting anyone anymore, in particular women. But yeah, unfortunately, none of the the parties uh, would stick to that agreement. And yeah, sadly enough, Honey was executed. What about the other two? What were their what were their experiences like after the war? Were they were they traumatized by what they'd been through, what they'd done, and uh, how also how were they how how were they treated? Um, yeah, well, um, Honey Schaft, um Well, when she was executed after that, she became the icon of, of female resistance. Uh, so she became really famous. Everybody in in the Netherlands knows who she is. Um, uh, really, an icon like Anne Frank. Uh, Trus and Freddy survived the war, um, but they really had to fight for recognition. And that was uh, partially because they were women and the role of women was uh, underestimated and really thought that you know, women are not capable of killing, let alone uh, in, in, in an organized uh, resistance group. Um, so, yeah, they were a little bit bitter about that, especially Freddie could be really fierce about that. Um, and then uh, there was also another part that the Council of Resistance, their resistance group, uh, consisted of several um, communist members. So especially in, in the, the Cold War, that uh, was politically very sensitive. Um, and both, both uh, sisters have actually been shot at in 1951. They were unharmed, luckily. But so years after the war, <laughs> they were actually being shot at because of their um, communist or their ties to this resistance group that had had uh, communist members. So they had to really fight for recognition. And um, well, they received finally in 2014, so decades later, uh, they received um, uh, a war distinction cross by our prime minister, Mark Rutte. But yeah, really extremely late. And uh, Truus was always, well, like I said, very down to earth. And she would really t tell our prime minister, well, Mark, you were really kind of late with this. Um, she, she could really get away with that. But they did get the recognition in the end. And Freddie was always, um, well, she lived a more secluded life, really focusing on her family. That was her way of dealing with the war. Um, and, uh, yeah, she was bitter about not getting the recognition. And then, uh, when Freddie died last year in, uh, September, uh, 2018, yeah, the, the, uh, especially the American media really picked up on that and she became really famous then. Uh, but yeah, during her life, uh, she really lacked the recognition that she was looking for. Well, like you said, um, they, they were bitter. But they were, of course, extremely traumatized um, because they did shoot people after all. And it's a huge dilemma. I mean, uh, even though these were major <laughs> war criminals, uh, they were extremely young and they, they shot people. They took people's lives, um, fathers of children and um, mothers of children, because they also shot some, some women. And um, they had nightmares and depression. And uh, every year around uh, our Liberation Day, May 5th, uh, they would always have extremely uh, bad nightmares. Uh, Truus actually uh, went to an institution for a while. 
And uh, Freddie never or hardly ever spoke about the war. She was only opening up um, yeah, the, the, the last years of her life. So nightmares, depression, and what we would nowadays call PTSD was really part of their lives. But they never, they never expressed any regret to you? No, no, never, no. They never regretted what they did. They were always very fierce about, yeah, that they really believed that this was the only way. There was no f- functioning judicial system. For them, this was the only way to achieve justice. Well, Sophie, thank you very much. That was a truly remarkable story. Uh, what is the book called? The book is called Seducing and Killing Nazis, uh, Honey, Truce and Freddy, Dutch Resistance Heroines of World War II. So you can't miss the title, Seducing and Killing Nazis, and that's because of their particular strategy. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. I feel we have the history on our shoulders. All this tradition of ours, our school history, our songs, this part of the history of our country, all were gone and finished and liquidated. One child, one teacher, one book and one pen can change the world. He tells us what is possible, not just in the pages of history books, but in our own lives as well. I have faith in you. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Just before you go, a bit of a favour to ask. I totally understand if you don't want to become a subscriber or pay me any cash money. Makes sense. But if you could just do me a favour, it's for free go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. If you give it a five-star rating and give it an absolutely glowing review, purge yourself, give it a glowing review, I'd really appreciate that. It's a tough world out there, law of the jungle out there, and uh, I need all the fire support I can get. So that will boost it up the charts. It's so tiresome, but if you could do it, I'd be very, very grateful. Thank you.